back. We're back. <laughs> Can we guess who's back? Uh, OG of the old marketing school, pretty much. Yay! It does we feel like... We missed you, Becca. I know. I've missed you. But it also feels like it's been forever and also like last week. I'm like, I was here the other day. Like, no time has passed. <laughs> That's what happens when you work in a world of social media and marketing. It, like time warps and things change all the time. So who knows? <laughs> that is generally how I feel every single day. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what, Becca? This week, um, the marketing world doesn't disappoint because we have a new up-and-coming social media platform named uh, by others, Twitter too as well, but that's not the name. While LinkedIn is also changing and newsletters are booming and there is also so much more on the horizon. Becca, I'm going to say, shall I start quite hot with uh, Blue Sky just to get us started today? Do it, do it. I want to hear all about the Blue Sky. Well, if you say so yourself, there is a new platform on the horizon and it comes straight from the ex-Twitter CEO, Jack Dorsey. Blue Sky whose interface resembled Twitter without certain features like blocks and direct messages. Old's promise as an escape from this cesspit, with early adopters literally describing it as early Twitter, or even Twitter too. There is, however, one issue that Blue Sky is currently private beta, which means it's accessible only with invite code from someone already on there. And a user has to be active for a certain amount of time before they can get those links. So if you're having deja vu, you're not the only one. <laughs> I'm literally feeling like we're back at Clubhouse and I'm interested in see what's going to happen next, but maybe not as interested as you because I know Becca and our dear listeners who have been loyal will remember your love for Twitter. And we haven't caught up since Twitter went a bit tits up, if we can say that. So I want to hear what you're thinking, because I was waiting for this to happen, for something else to come up and try and steal the thunder. So what are your feelings about this? Yeah, Twitter for me, I remember back when we were talking about, will Elon buy it? Will he not? I think we were quite, um, I think we were quite optimistic at the time that he wouldn't. And all of this would blow over. It would all be fine. And then look what happened. He bought it and he ruined it. Now I've literally spent the last few months telling either clients or talking to other people in the industry, getting their thoughts. And we're all essentially running away from the platform. I don't think it's a very nice place to be. My algorithm has changed and not for the better. I don't know about you. Um, people that I don't follow uh, get pushed to the top of my feed. And it's really, it's just not it's not what I want from the platform. So when I heard about Blue Sky, it was funny because I first found out about it through people memeing about it, literally posting photos of a Blue Sky and being like, where's my invite? And like you said, it did remind me of Clubhouse with the like exclusivity and have you got an invite yet? I've only got three to give out or one to give out. Who's going to be first to get my invite? I kind of, I get it. Like it's a tactic to get more users there, but it does feel a little bit icky and like, oh, okay, we're doing this again. Honestly, given the perception around Twitter at the moment, and also the fact that we have seen a couple more platforms spring up. I don't know if there is the appetite from people to jump onto another platform. Do you remember when um, when Elon first bought Twitter within like the following couple of weeks or something, there are about three or four alternatives that cropped up. Everyone created an account, secured their username. And then like now I can't even remember what they, these platforms were. I can't even tell you. And I think this... I think this one will stick a bit more just because of that affiliation with like, this is Twitter 2.0, da, da, da. 
But realistically, are we all going to swap over there? I don't think we are. I think people will just replace Twitter with either spending more time on like TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn, which I know we're going to talk about more in this episode. As well as delightful uh, Twitter news, I also wanted to bring in some LinkedIn news. And before we start with LinkedIn news, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite underrated features, which is actually LinkedIn newsletters. And there are now 213 million subscriptions to newsletters on LinkedIn, which means we went up four times from January 2022, 2023. The question is, what do we do with the LinkedIn newsletters? Do we move from our normal newsletters? A lot of people actually use them to amplify their current newsletters. So it's really interesting to see that in general, LinkedIn, I think has gone massive strides in this past year or so, but also the fact that people are actually using a lot of the features that are present in the platform to really kind of supercharge what they already have. I think it shows strength on LinkedIn, which has been nice because when Becca first was on the show, we kept talking about how LinkedIn was a bit of the underdog uh, in that respect. And it was we were trying and rooting for it. And I generally feel the last year has really come to its place. And I know that you found more about the algorithm as well. So really interested to hear your take on this and in general, like some of the LinkedIn stuff that's been going on. Yeah, I think we've seen a big change and a big shift in the platform. I still think that newsletters are slept on a little bit. I think people either don't know really how to use them. Like you said, some people use them just as a way to amplify their existing newsletter, which they host somewhere else. I do think that that's quite a safe option. I definitely wouldn't like not recommend that. We've seen before with other platforms um, how, you know, you don't own your audience. So if you've already got an established newsletter somewhere else, I wouldn't just go, hey, drop everything and move over to LinkedIn. I do think LinkedIn is considerably more kind of like steady in terms of the social media world. It doesn't have as much like fluctuations that we see on some platforms like <clears throat> Twitter. But I do think there's an opportunity um, that people aren't using at the moment. So whether you are a company page, and I think that's quite a good example of how you can use it. It's an easy way to get started and immediately connect more with your audience. And that can be quite difficult when you're working from a like company page perspective. Sometimes it's like, well, what content is actually going to be useful and resonate with my audience? But from a personal perspective, I think I'm pleased to hear that it is growing because it seems quite natural, especially with how we've seen the platform develop and change over the last year and how it's really become like this. I think because people are leaving Twitter, that's what's helped make LinkedIn feel more alive before it felt like content was a little bit out of date or like, oh, that's from a week ago. So now it feels much more current and reactive. But yeah, I, I, the only kind of qualm I have with it is I feel like newsletters are hidden away a little bit. So when you first publish your newsletter through LinkedIn, you get the option to create a post around it to promote it, which is great, right? Wonderful. But if you're visiting either a company page or someone's profile, it's not always, I feel, immediately obvious, like it's there, but it's not, I don't know. I feel like they could do something to make it a little bit more prominent and exciting for users to engage. Because I know that I've subscribed to LinkedIn newsletters, but I I never read them because they don't seem to filter through or they get lost in other notifications. And that feels like a shame. feels like a missed opportunity for LinkedIn. Like I feel like they've got this good thing. Why are they not pushing it more? And that would be my reluctance in, you know, completely swapping over if you've already got an established newsletter elsewhere. 
that links nicely, <laughs> that was not meant to be punny, but that links nicely into the LinkedIn algorithm changes or less so changes, more just clarity. So we know, as we've mentioned, LinkedIn is thriving in terms of activity. People are being really active on there. I think a lot of people see LinkedIn as a bit more of a safe space for their content. They feel comfortable engaging with conversation there and posting content in the first place, to be honest, compared to Twitter. And there has been some news in terms of the algorithm. Um, and this is just really interesting. So I'm sure Fab will include a link afterwards so you can actually see this with your own eyes. Um, but it just shows how content um, is classified. And I think this is really, really important, um, especially as we are going into this era if you like, of content and where it is sourced. So is it original? Is it authentic? Or have you got somebody who's there just using AI to churn out loads and loads of posts? Um, AI has a place, but I don't think it should be the source of your content. That's a tangent for another day though. But basically it's pretty simple and it just clarifies how content is scored, you know, what things you need to be considerate of. So is a piece of content going viral? How will it continue to go viral or what will make it stop going viral? Things like engagement signals, that's going to be really, really important, which is kind of to be expected, right? It's how many likes and reactions you're getting, how many people are sharing it, what comments are happening and what are the comments like as well. And I think this is just important because there's more content than ever on, link um, on LinkedIn, getting all tongue twisted now. But with that comes a responsibility from the platform to make sure that what you're seeing is good. Because ultimately, I think LinkedIn have quite a lot of pressure on them. Now they've got this hyped up interest they need to do everything they possibly can to keep this user base engaged for as long as possible. Because like we said, otherwise people might go, oh, I'm going to replace my Twitter scrolling time with more time on TikTok or maybe more time on Instagram. But LinkedIn is like up there. So I quite like this transparency. I think previously we've seen all of the platforms be very like scared and mysterious when it comes to algorithms but transparency is really really important I think in keeping the people on side and ultimately ensuring that LinkedIn sticks around and is one of the platforms we all like to use which is important you know goes a long way. I absolutely love everything when it comes to actually transparency and better understanding how to use LinkedIn and the algorithm. And related to that, I have a little treat for us. I want to share with you what a guide on how to work with me is and why does it matter. So let's hear from Vanessa, who in episode 146 shares with us one of her favorite frameworks that our listeners loved. Because I was thinking, what if I, that's a good example. Yes. So at Girls Talk, whenever we have a new team member join, and also for current team members. And I actually should do like a little refresh and see uh, what everyone said to make sure that I'm um, doing this for them is we ask everyone to create a guide to working with me. And then when they join our first team meeting, they present that as a, you know, it can be a PowerPoint, it could be a PDF, it could be a Canva graphic. It could be a word doc. We say to everyone, be as creative or not as creative as you want. But the idea is it lets your new team members know how you like to work. So it could be your, your preferred method of communication, your pet peeves, your interests, your hobbies. And I have one as the CEO as well. And so people know what I, what I like, what I'm into, for example, how I like to communicate, 
that kind of thing. What, you know, what annoys me as well. And that framework has really helped our team to work better together. So I definitely would say that's probably the most impactful thing as well. And also I'd say um, Google Drive, that, that, that suite in terms of just having the folders, everyone having access, live documents, everyone can edit, all of that jazz. Last but not least, today I want to finish with one piece of news that caught Becca's attention. So I would love to hear from you, Becca, what caught your eye this week in social media news and beyond. So with Be Real, I feel like this is a controversial topic because some people, we're in that phase, right? It's still early days, even though there's a lot of users. So there was a stat um, from last year, I think, that said that Be Real reportedly had 73 million monthly active users in August last year, which seems really, really high. And I understand it's a cool app, right? I like it. I get the hype. I think it's an interesting concept and it's different. It's not just, oh, here's a new app and it copies the features of all of the other apps we already use every day, right? What it has prompted, and I can understand why they're now struggling to maintain user interest, is all of the other apps have just copied Be Real. You know, we see it in TikTok, we see it in Instagram. I'm sure if apps don't have it right now, there's going to be some copycat of Be Real. Like, and that's that's point one. It's like, okay, well, you've 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 come up with this concept. Other people have copied you. Other people, TikTok and Instagram, both have other features that once people are sort of bored of that concept or they're like, okay, yeah, I've seen the Be Reels for today. People can stay in those apps, right? And then do the other things. They can watch people's stories or they can scroll through just a regular TikTok video for about three hours and then wonder, how did I get here? But the other things that Be Real are offering, I don't think are quite good enough to essentially fight for that attention. So one of the things that they have tried to try and entice people into the app more is bonus be real which is where you get that notification for the second time in one day sounds great but is that not kind of going against the original concept of like it's just a snap of your day and you get like no warning you're just supposed to like capture it there and then but also there was one that I was a little bit more interested in which was a Spotify integration interesting but again what what what's the point (laughs) it sounds really like brutal but I just think they've got this concept people are only going to be in the app for a very short period of time either to post their be real or look at other people's and then you're gone like that ship has sailed for the day I don't you know I think having new apps and it's not brand new anymore I think that's important in our industry because change is good and we saw TikTok come out of you know what felt like nowhere and now look at how much of an impact that has and how much time people spend on there but I just don't think Be Real has that and I think it might go kind of the same way that Clubhouse did they have a new concept it gets copied by everyone else and ultimately people will continue to use that thing but in the app that they prefer so whether that's TikTok or whether that's Instagram which kind of seems sad but is it surprising no and I just think it is a shame because it feels like just as people have started to understand what be real is if they do it's already kind of gone so it's unfortunate but I like the concept I just think they're gonna have a real trouble keeping people interested in the app which is a shame but not surprising at all. I absolutely love what you said there and I couldn't agree more. I genuinely believe that one of the biggest issues that we're going to find is that just like Blue Sky, Be Real, 
all of these apps is I think TikTok was the outlier and because of that TikTok had the upper hand and also because of the specific circumstances of being during the pandemic and people needed something and TikTok was that something for them but it shows that then when the feature is the only thing that makes it and it's not the community like TikTok built a community Clubhouse didn't as much and I generally believe that's why everybody copied their features just like you shared with Be Real and then they went straight into somewhere else and they're starting to forget that the app even exists so I couldn't agree more. Becca, thank you so much for sharing your news and for coming back with us on the podcast and on the episode. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. Now, before we go, where can people find out more about you and ask you all the questions about everything that we talked about together? You can find me on all of the social media platforms, including Be Real, I think, but don't follow me there, at Becca Social. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, class dismissed.